0: Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Sometimes the Bible can be difficult to understand. For instance, today Pastor Jim will talk about a culture that is rich beyond measure. They have everything, or so it would seem. Yet in spite of this wealth, they are described as poor, they go without, and they hunger. Maybe you're starting to get the picture by now, but try not to lose the image as you listen to Pastor Jim today. There is a popular song that says, there's purpose in the pain. Be resilient to the pain of this world as you pursue God's purpose. Well, let's join Pastor Jim in the book of Revelation chapter two as he continues his message, persevering through pressure.
1: Did you know that there are synagogues of Satan? Did you know that there's some around here? Do you know where they are? I'm not telling you. (laughs) I'm not telling you. And so what are they doing? What is he saying? These people are helping Satan destroy the church. Now what happens in the summertime, even here like today, there's more seats in this service than there were last week. And what happens is, why? Because people don't like the weather. They're watching at home. They're like, I'm not going out in a tornado. Now, if you're home, watching at home, I don't know whether you're just, you know, come on, get with it, or you're really smart. Uh, But we go on vacation. Satan never goes on vacation. Never goes on vacation. So he's always at it. So Jesus is open and honest with us. He says, we can expect some pain and suffering for being a follower of Jesus, but he says this, but you can persevere. Here he says to the church at Smyrna, I know. I know. I know from experience, I see the tribulation that you're going through. I see the affliction that you're going through. I see the cost in your life of what it is for following me. And I love one of the words Jesus uses here. He says, I know, which I love, and you might want to circle this. He says, I know your. I know your tribulation. I know your affliction. I'm not just painting some general picture. I know specifically what your church is going through. I know what each and every individual follower of Jesus is going through. It is so personal. I know. I feel pain for you when you go through these things. And let's be very honest. Let's not shave it at all. Suffering can make you feel really lonely, can it? Really lonely. Some of you are single and you're like, well, if I, if I wasn't single, I wouldn't be so lonely. But you can be in a house full of people. You can be in a crowd of people. And you can be very, very lonely. Yet Jesus says, no matter how lonely you feel, please remember this one, loved ones. I am with you in this. I feel your pain. I know your suffering. You are not alone. I suffer with you. It's like Jesus says, I know the pressures in your life. I know the burdens that you are carrying right now, and they are so heavy, you are wondering how you can take another step. And Jesus says, Put that on my back, or at least let me help you carry that together. I know the things that are going on right now that are absolutely crushing your heart into oblivion. I know exactly what that's like. And I want to be there with you in that. Notice Jesus doesn't say, hey, I died on the cross. I rose from the dead. Why don't you just get it together? Jesus doesn't say that at all. Rather, in this church, you get a sense of love and gratitude and, dare I say, admiration for those people that continue to be faithful in the midst of such difficulty. One of the things that we see in the Bible is how often hardship is tied to being faithful to God. And I know some of you are gonna make me wanna walk the plank after this one. Some of you probably always do anyway. Anyway, But the Bible is almost casual about it. Like suffering, God is with you. Suffering, God is with you. From pain and suffering, which, which wears people down, causes many to leave the faith or strengthens others or something in between, depending upon where we are with God. Next, Jesus rolls into poverty, Remember we said that they were poverty, they were in a rich land, and but they were poverty stricken because they couldn't earn a living because their beliefs were taking them out of the marketplace. I've only got two questions in this. One, where are the health and wealth guys? Where are they? You know where they are? They're 1900 years in the future, that's where they are. They don't exist. They don't exist. Where are the prosperity preachers when you need them? Teaching them how to be prosperous. You don't see them there at all. You see Jesus saying, I am impressed with the way you are living your life in the midst of your poverty and all that's going on. Very interesting. When we get to the church at Laodicea, which is probably the most similar to the American church, if you will, Jesus says to them, you know what? You guys are really rich but in my eyes, you're really poor. Now, isn't that the exact opposite of what he told these guys? In the eyes of the world, you're poor, but in the eyes of heaven, you're rich. The world sees followers of Jesus as weak and poor, yet Jesus says, but you are rich. You're not weak, you're strong. You're not poor, you're spiritually wealthy in Jesus' eyes. And so many times over the years, I've told you one of the best things I read before I started preaching up here was I was reading a book on pastoring. It was an old time pastor and he said, the hardest thing in my ministry was this. I will never forget reading this one sentence. He said, trying to convince the people of God how rich they really are. Trying to get people to see that you are an heir to a kingdom and you are rich in God's eyes. And the biggest billionaires of this world are poor in comparison. In 2 Corinthians, after saying today is the day of salvation, the apostle Paul runs through a list of what being a faithful follower of Jesus looks like. And he says this at the end, 2 Corinthians 6.10, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich. So how is it that we could be poor and make many other people rich? You say, well, what do we do? We buy stuff from them or something like that? No, that's not what he's talking about. He's saying that we do this for one another. We reach out to people. And this is something that every church has to improve on. We have to improve on and every church has to improve on it. A lot of times when people are really, really hurting, their inclination is to run away from everybody, including the church. We want it to be this, guys, for every one of us when we know that someone is really hurting. We're always putting out prayer requests for other people. We need to see more prayer requests going out for ourselves, for people that we know. You get their approval first if you going to share their personal business, but we want people to run to church for what? To be loved on. We want people to come here and for us to gather around them and to say, we know you are hurting and we are with you in this. We are with you in this. I had the honor to pray with a woman who's very sick in between services today. She was in better shape than I was when we were done praying. I was falling apart. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to preach another sermon But that's what we want church to be. Not that you are afraid to come here when you are hurting, but you can't wait for the doors to open. And it's not just the professional ministers. It is the church. Remember, the church is not a building. The church is the people. So he says, yet as poor, yet making many rich. How else do we do that? We do that in our community groups. So, we take a break for the summer. So, what do we do? We have dinner on free dinner on Wednesday night and we have a service. I don't care if you come for the dinner and go home. Doesn't matter to me in the least. Some people said, ah, oh, they came for the dinner and they left. Well, good for them, right? They get to bed early, right? <laughs> it doesn't matter. The idea is that we are together as God's people, caring for one another, praying for one another, encouraging one another. We do it when we do outreaches. Some people said, well, I did an outreach, and the people were snobby to us. So what? Who cares? We do it. That's why we're building two more radio stations right now. Pray for me, please. Oy vey. Okay? <laughs> we're building two more radio stations, much bigger than the one we have now. Both of them are much bigger than the one we have now. Right? We've collected almost 60000 I think we're over $60,000 now we've collected for it in just, just six weeks. But what are we doing? We're trying to make others rich in God. That's what we're trying to do. And then he ends the verse as having nothing, yet possessing all things. Why? We are heirs to a kingdom. James chapter 2, verse 5. Listen, my beloved brethren. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? We are the heirs to the kingdom of heaven, which he promised to those who what? Love him to those who I can't hear you to those who love him. love him. That is a promise. Okay, if you love him, you're getting it. He will not he will not lie to you. Hebrews 10:34. For you had compassion on me in my chains, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. Some versions say the seizure of your property. Another version says the confiscation of your possessions. If you are a YouTube conspiracy theorist, you're always watching how the government's gonna take everything that you have. Some of you are like, I don't care, I don't have anything, come and get it. (laughs) Uh, Others of you are like me. I'm always like, they already seize everything I have. I call it taxes, right? It's like, they take, your, they take your money. Like, what are you doing with it? You're driving down the road. Pothole, pothole, pothole. Where is our money? Where is our money? Probably on some vacation in Antigua or something like that. And so, but you know, they're going to take your possessions. But we said this the other night. What's the one thing they cannot take from you? They cannot take Jesus from you. And do not let them do that. No matter what they do, they cannot take Jesus from you. And he says, knowing that, you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. We have to be so careful of seeking American materialism. Seek real wealth. Real wealth. At the end of verse nine, he says something puzzling and sadly a statement that has led to much sin in the world. He says, and I know the blasphemy or the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. So we're gonna talk about what Jesus says and then we're gonna talk about how others have taken it the wrong way and sinned. Now, first off, some say these are Christians who insist that we must now continue with Old Testament sacrifices. We must continue with Old Testament laws. We must continue with Old Testament festivals. A lot of those people are still around today. They found an audience on YouTube. We must remember that Jesus fulfilled the law. So sometimes somebody will come up to you and say, well, you know, I don't believe the Bible. And I don't think you do either. You say, well, okay, I don't, I don't believe it. And they'll say, well, do you check all the fabric in your shirts? I go, well, that's on my wife. She buys all my clothes. And I don't really say that. I say, no, I really don't. And they'll say, well, do you eat shellfish? And I go, yes, love it. I'm from Long Island. It's, we used to eat this stuff all the time, right? And then, and then they will say, well, that's the Bible says you're not supposed to. And I said, yes, if you're a Jew wandering in the wilderness with Moses, you're not supposed to, right? Are you? (laughs) I'm not. And so they're like, oh, well, because they don't know what they're talking about. Others will say that these were the Jews that were turning people into the authorities in Smyrna because the people were saying for their own survival, because instead of saying Caesar was Lord, they were saying Jesus was Lord. Whatever the reason, Jesus says this, they are not Jews, Why does Jesus say they are not Jews? The only best reason I can come up with it is because they oppose God's chosen Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's fairly evident today. Many Jews actually claim to be ethnic Jews, but not religious Jews. So it will surprise many people to learn that many Jews are actually atheists. They say, I just celebrate the holidays. Now, this is gonna, I know I'm gonna rub a lot of people the wrong way, but you all know people like this. Many people who claim to be Christians or claim to be followers of Jesus even are functional atheists. They say, oh, I believe in God, but that's where it ends, There is nothing in their life that would ever lead you to believe that they believe in God. So Jesus would say to them, you know, they say they're Christians, but they're not Christians. Here he says, they say they're Jews, but they're not Jews. In the Old Testament, to claim to be Jewish was to claim basically two things, to claim that you are part of the people of God. You are the people of Yahweh and that you are children of Abraham. In the New Testament, we still claim to be children of God, but now we believe that the children of Abraham acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ, God become a man. Back in John the Baptist's day, he called the religious leaders of the day brood of vipers, brood of vipers. Not very seeker-friendly. Would you say that's seeker-friendly? Not really, okay? You guys, hey, religious leaders, come here. Good to see you. You're a brood of vipers. That is like so insulting, Because that is only not like you're a snake, but your mama was a snake, your papa was a snake, and all your kids are snakes, right? You're the snake family, right? And so John the Baptist, I love that guy, man. So in Smyrna, it says that they are the synagogue of Satan. And so what does he say? That you're doing the devil's work. How? By turning people away from Jesus perhaps informing the authorities about them, again, to stay on the good side of Rome by saying, these people are saying Jesus is Lord. So sadly, instead of trying to help Jewish people see that a physical descendant of Abraham is not really a Jew, but a spiritual descendant of Abraham is a real Jew, and also someone who believes in Jesus. Now, Here's the really, really bad part. This is one of the verses that people have used for the words of Jesus for anti-Semitism throughout the centuries. And people still use it today. They say that we hate the Ku Klux Klan. One of their mottos is, we hate the Jews because they killed Christ. Okay, we are not to be anti-Semitic, all right? Let me just remind people who may need a reminder, or maybe you might want to remind your friend who says that they are Christian, but they are anti Semitic. Jesus was a Jew, the apostles were Jews. And so we are not to be that way. Okay, point two I told you that was long, that was a whole sermon in itself. Let's go to number three. Number three is the complaint. The complaint. Remember last week with what the complaint was? You've left your first love, okay? I want everybody to write this one down. Smyrna, the complaint. Ready? You ready? You ready? None. (laughs) That was fast, right? That was none. What do you mean, amen? (laughs) She's like, amen. Can they all be that short? (laughs) My goodness. Right, you know, if you're a guest here, this is one of the things. Like, probably they didn't tell you, like, don't sit in the first row, or don't don't say anything out too loud, because he'll work off the crowd. So, and then that's when his kookiness comes out, right? And so there is none. Why? Because the church is healthy. So he's telling us, pay attention to this church. Now we come to number four, the correction. The correction. Essentially, there is none. Instead, it's a command. Look at the beginning, first half of verse 10. And I, this is such a word for our times. And if you have your Bible with you, or you have a Bible app or something like that that you're using, you should highlight these words. He says, Do not fear. Do not fear. Stop listening to your emotions. Stop listening to all the crazy stuff that's going in your head. If you're new here, this is one of the the things we constantly say to ourselves here. We say, stop listening to yourself and start preaching to yourself. Okay? Stop listening to the kookiness of your brain and start saying, I don't need to be afraid. Jesus is with me. I don't need to be afraid. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Now, you would hope he would be saying, don't fear. I got everything under control. You're not going to suffer a thing. But that's not what he says. He's honest with them. He says, do not fear those things which you're about to suffer. So let's stop right there. What is he saying to us? Turn the news off. Turn the phone off. And start praying. And start thanking me for being with you. And start being aware of my presence. That's what you need to do. Turn the news off, turn the phone off, and start reading your Bible so you know that I am with you, so you know that historically my people have gone through great trouble, great trials, great pressure, great tribulation, but I have always been with them, and you are not the exception to that rule. I am with you. And keep preaching it to yourself, and preaching it to yourself, and preaching it to yourself. And when you think you've heard enough, preach it to yourself, and preach it to yourself, and preach it to yourself. He says, indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. Stop right there. This is a spiritual battle, he says, that you're in. And one guy wants to destroy you. And I want to test you in the sense of, I want to make your faith stronger and you will have tribulation 10 days. So again, the test will show them the strength of their faith, but also sadly, many abandon their faith. Now the question becomes, will it be a literal 10 days? Now we have to just take ourselves out of the culture we live in. For us, we, you know, judge does a fine. Two years in prison, five years in prison. 20 years in prison, life in prison. That was not the Roman prison system. Sometimes people read that stuff in the Old Testament and they're like, oh my gosh, look at the crime for doing all this stuff, right? It wasn't like Moses, you know, somebody did a crime and Moses could go, hey, Joshua, call 911, get the police here. Okay, he couldn't do that. So they had all these harsh penalties for doing stuff. You know why? God did not want them to do it. If you knocked a, you know, uh, you had a servant, you knocked their tooth out, you got in trouble, right? You can't go beating on your people who work with you and stuff like that. And so, but in Rome, it was very different. A lot of times, the Roman prisons were just a quick holding cell, whether they were going to let you go or whether they were going to execute you. So you were only there for a short time. So it could be the idea that you're going to be in the holding tank for execution, or it could be that you're going to be there for a short time. Other people associated with Daniel chapter one, which they would have been very familiar with the 10 day food test for the young men. And the idea then would be as they were faithful, the Lord is faithful and no matter what you will emerge victorious. Now, you have to say, well, well, if they're there short, yes, but what if they're killed? Jesus is saying to us throughout this whole passage, whether you emerge from whatever you have, you get out, you're victorious. Or if you die, you're victorious. You're going to win either way. So Jesus says, do not fear. Again, preach to yourself. Trust in Jesus. Continue to walk with Jesus. Continue to be bold in your faith. Bold does not mean obnoxious. Don't be afraid. Be courageous. Be faithful. And prepare your soul for battle. It's not a matter if the battle is coming. It is a matter of when the battle is coming. And the days they lived in, and the days we live in, are both a spiritual and emotional battle that will test our faith and test our character. The tests, for some of you, you're right in the middle of it right now. For some of you, are on the other end of a test. And some of you, a test is on the way soon. But it is coming. And you're, the pressure is tough. It's difficult. You don't know which way to turn. And I'm going to make a wholehearted statement, but I will tell you this. Generally, pressure makes you fearful or it makes you fruitful. Pressure will do one or two things. It will make you want to walk away from God or it will make you much stronger in him. You say, okay, great. I'm with you, Pastor Jim. I got one problem. How is it that we cannot fear? And here's where we have to remember we're studying not just verses, but passages. Go back to verse eight, we cannot fear because Jesus is the first and the last. Jesus knows what is ahead of you. Jesus knows what is ahead of his church, what is ahead of our church. Remember we saw, those of you who've been here, a lot of you are new since COVID, we saw so many people move out of New Jersey because we had a very, you know, a lot of people worked for professional companies and they were able to work remotely and so many people moved out. And then I'm getting emails from people who, who used to go here and they're like, oh, you know, we, uh, we really miss actually living in New Jersey because we really miss the church. But we heard it's God filled it up again.
0: Thanks for listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to bring you hope, encouragement, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please pray with us that Changed by Love will make a profound difference in many lives. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Teaming together in prayer is the key to a spiritually rich life. It really does take a team of praying individuals to reach thousands. Thank you for being a part of the Change by Love support team. To find out more ways to team with Change by Love, go to our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you could call 862-217-9686. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.